Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, the founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We are emotioneering human performance, not engineering it. In season one, we talked about emotioneering the modern mindset and really about those people skills and the expression and the communication. In season two that we're in now, we're going to have topics center around everything to do with emotioneering business results. And that's going to cover creating great places to work, increasing profits, human capital, the people, getting record-breaking results, and world-class employee engagement. I'm going to be interviewing guests that I know are absolute experts in this area, and will be able to share their knowledge, share their learnings on the journey with you and myself. And I'm really looking forward to getting in to all things emotioneering with them. Remember to subscribe to YouTube, to the Facebook page, to Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course, you can go to the website, modernmindgroup.co.uk, and you'll get our monthly newsletter there. Enjoy the show. My guest today is the entrepreneur, the technologist, the futurist that is Charlie Oliver, founder and CEO of Tech 2025. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you for having me, Melissa. This is awesome. I'm so happy to be here. I watch your show. I listen to your podcast. I love what you do. So I hope I can give you and your audience something. Yeah, (laughs) without a doubt, it is going to be jam-packed full of learnings, knowledge, and with all your experience, uh, there's, uh, you know what, when we have new conversations, new inspiration comes from it, doesn't it? So absolutely love it. And I just want to say, I just want to read out this quote that is part of your bio uh, and, and part of your LinkedIn, but I absolutely love it. And it will give a flavor to the audience of who we're actually going to be chatting to today. So be fearless and unapologetic in the fierce pursuit of your goals and just as passionate about helping people. I absolutely love it. So you're welcome. But it is about people. So, I mean, I've introduced you. I've read out your quote. I've given you the the, the big bump up. But I'm passing the mic now, Charlie. Like, Tell us um, more about you and a little bit more about what Tech 2025 does. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad the quote resonated. I will say that I lived that, right? And so that's sort of the culmination of sort of the things that I've been through in my life. Ironically, I'm not like a big people person because I'm an introvert, uh, but I have learned through my life that I also genuinely love helping people. You know, there is there are rewards to that for everyone, not just myself and the other person. So anyway, that aside, I'm uh, Charlie Oliver. I'm the founder and CEO of Tech 2025, uh, which is an offshoot of my other company, which is Surfresh Media, a digital media strategy agency that I launched in 2007, no, 2009, (laughs) to help companies sort of come into the social media digital marketing era. And uh, that's been great. Ran that. It's still there uh, for, you know, since then. And in 2017, launched Tech 2025 uh, after I began to sort of hear or started hearing from a lot of uh, my enterprise 
clients that they were very concerned about what was coming, right? Which the AI, the machine learning, the cognitive technologies, they sort of saw the cloud coming, right? It's like a dark cloud kind of coming. <laughs> they knew that these changes um, that would happen as a result of these technologies that would need to happen um, were going to be daunting. And, and so anyway, uh, that's part of the reason why I launched Tech 2025, because my answer to them was always, well, are you talking to the rest of your organization? How are you including all employees in innovation? Because I know companies are top down with their innovation, right? And so my answer was for what's coming, if you're going to survive, right, you're going to need to learn how to bring everyone into the innovation process. Now, I knew at that time, yeah, of course, that companies were not structured for that. They didn't even necessarily understand that. Um, but that coupled with things that I, being in tech, you know, since 2007, uh, had already known and was seeing, um, uh, you know, including the discussion or the discourse, however little there was in 2016 around AI. Um, I also knew that if my, my thinking was we have got to get people to understand what's coming, right? To embrace it and to participate in it. So my thinking was, well, if companies can't do it with their employees inside of the companies, I'm going to do it with them outside of the companies. And so we launched to, to, uh, Tech 2025 in 2017 with the purpose of um, basically upskilling and preparing people uh, for what's coming in emerging tech and to get as much diversity in the conversations as possible. So the first event we did was January 2017, January the 11th. And it was a very diverse room. 80-year-olds, 19-year-olds, black, white, marketing people, salespeople. It was very diverse. And uh, and so we, we started out having a lot of events, a lot of uh, think tanks where we just never... Bought, I never bought into the idea that people do not understand or cannot understand these technologies. Um, and so we began solving problems. I just asked them, what do you think of this? What, look, at this is possibly what's coming. What do you see? And it turns out people are pretty damn smart. They're a lot smarter than their employees are giving them credit for. Uh, so anyway, that, that's kind of it. And so then, you know, done that for, for a few years, bringing stakeholders together, um, legislators, companies, employees, students, entrepreneurs, and then uh, began to sort of help companies to understand how to do that internally. Amazing. And that's the struggle, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, just uh, fan, fantastic. Like that that will and, and that really talking about helping people. And like you said, regardless of who they were, what kind of, um, you know, arena they were in, you were there to help educate and support. And again, just backing up why you're a fantastic guest for this show, you know, emotioneering, whether it's about tech, whether it's about um, anything that in, in the world that, that people need to kind of understand, it's it's removing people from fear towards courage and that knowledge that helps them to do that and to enable them because you're right, it's that fear, it's the technophobia of it that more than anything, yeah. right? It didn't come out of, it didn't drop out of thin air, this fear. You know, the reality is that Silicon Valley, um, schools, but especially companies have spent decades telling people, ordinary people who aren't in the club, who didn't go to Stanford, who don't have that Ivy League degree, who aren't wealthy, who aren't, they spent decades telling people, you're not smart enough. 
You're not cool enough. You're not young enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not enough. You can't understand this. So we're going to figure this out and then we'll sell you the product <laughs> or make you the product. How about that? Right. So that is decades and decades of conditioning. And it's also obviously in our schools, it's the way that we're taught. It's decades of conditioning to think that you can't understand this stuff and that you can't figure out uh, some of the hardest problems that's facing society now and in the coming years. And well, that's just ridiculous. But I tell you what, um, how's that working out? Right. Yeah. How's that, how's that mentality working out for us now, right? So, you know, and I'll be honest with you, the, the real catalyst to, to the moment that I said was Tech 2025, speaking of emotioneering, which, by the way, I love that, that word. I love that. <laughs> um, part of the, the, the real catalyst, if you want to talk about the, the, the thing that sparked the fire that made me go, I, gotta, I have to do this, um, was the conversation around AI and machine learning within tech um, with luminaries, right? So uh, Eric Schmidt, and who's the former chairman of Google and Sebastian Throne, uh, both co-authored this article and Forbes, I think it was Forbes, where they were basically responding to Elon Musk and a, a lot of the tech dystopianists, right? Who at that time was like Elon Musk and the late uh, Stephen Hawking. Sebastian Thrawn and Eric Schmidt, or I consider them to be tech utopianists, right? Oh, it's going to be wonderful. You know, AI is just going to solve so many problems. At that time, that's what they were saying. But anyway, I read this article and it was extremely dismissive. And they literally basically said, relax, stop with this nonsense about the negatives of AI and just let us get on with building it. It's going to build a great society. Right, to be wonderful. And I thought to myself, wow, first of all, the audacity, all right, that we should not be allowed to question these things. Even if the questioning is extreme, it needs to be extreme. This is how we find little ground. We need to let it, we need to explore all areas of, of, the, of the problem or the situation. But also further to assume that just because you have something that's going to solve a lot of problems, that means that it's not going to create problems, you know, when you're wealthy enough to bury a hole into the center of the planet and hide there on the power of money while the rest of us live out the, the repercussions of these, these mm. issues, right? I mean, come on. So anyway, that anger, I, I hope it's yeah. because bottom line is, let's say best case scenario, AI and machine learning, all these technologies really actually advance. This issue. And I believe in that. I believe that we can be better there's still going to be a lot of people who fall through the cracks because there always is still, there's still going to be a lot of people who don't um, understand who are frightened, who are going to lose their jobs. Right. Um, And so if we are an evolved society or if we are evolving as a species, we have to mitigate that damage before it comes. We don't wait for it to get here and then go, oops, which is what we've been doing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, wow. And I, yeah, I totally understand where the, the kind of fierce side of your, your quote comes from now. It's like, no, like, let's not, let's be open to, to looking at all the different um, scenarios. So uh, while you were talking there, a couple of things like popped back into my head. So I remember posting something on a LinkedIn post that you would put up about AI, about it, um, about algorithms. And I'd put on there and I definitely th- kind of think the way that you, the, that you are in this way of, well, hang on a minute, just because I like something doesn't mean that I necessarily want to buy it or I want to see more of it. I might be like, but no, the, the, the algorithm doesn't know my intention. 
right? It, 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 that's the human side of it. Um, so I remember that as I, and I, I definitely, it's interesting. Like I like a lot of stuff because I like the people. doesn't mean I want to go and buy the products, right? Yes. It's um, annoying. That's something that we have not solved for and we probably aren't going to for some time, but you know, it's more of a, you know, AI right now is more of a big machine learning. It's more of a blunt instrument right now. It's not as, actually it's more precise in some ways than we are when we, as they say, you know, the, the algorithms know more about what, know more who we are in some ways than we know, right? But it, it, that doesn't mean that it understands it is predictive, but the predictive is far from perfect. It's so imperfect that, you know, we, we need to, we need to ask ourselves what our expectations are of these technologies and whether the expectation, whether the technologies meet the expectations. It's okay if the technology surpasses those expectations in a positive way, but it it lends itself to your point, to to the idea that we're being sold, yes, um, by the developers of the technologies, the media, hmm? Hmm. the companies that benefit from this, we're all being sold an idea about the expectations of what we should expect from these technologies that I am telling you is not matching what the technologies are. And it's okay to be uh, sort of, you know, optimistic. We, we, that's what entrepreneurs are. But the system of checks and balances should be in place so that we can check you know, we should really define a realistic vision of what we want. And too often, you know, unfortunately with technologies and and there's good in this, but also it can harm us. We tend to stumble along with technology. It's like, oh, this is great new thing. And we figured it out. We don't know what it is or why, but let's implement it. And then let's move forward. And then if something happens, oh, well, we'll fix it. You know, I mean, and, and we can't totally mitigate that, but we can't, we shouldn't totally ignore it. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, b- before we make this like a, a full-blown tech conversation, although I'm absolutely loving this, I'm going to come back around to it because it's obviously a key passion. Um, it is also about, you know, the le- your leadership, the things that you've learned, the the kind of the helping the people internally within organizations. Obviously, you're educating people, uh, you know, uh, across communities, societies and workplaces. Um You've, you started this business and, of course, you, you have your other business that you were running for 12 years as well. So either within Tech 2025 or your, pre, or your, your other business, tell me about the first person that you hired. Like, who, who were they? Can you remember what that was like? Uh, yes, uh, for Tech 2025, definitely. Now for, for Surfish Media, Actually, my first startup was it was Art of Talk TV. That was even more. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. you mean in terms of teams, internal teams, right? Well, for Tech Twenty Twenty Five, the first person that I brought on who was just like with us and, and everything was a, a incredibly talented, bright light of a young woman named Rebecca. And Rebecca came to I think it was our second or third event, and she did what every person, but especially young people, uh, do and should continue to do, which is she came up to me afterwards and she said, oh my God, I love this. I really want to help. I want to know, do you need help? And I said, you know, I could use some help at the next event. That's kind of how that happened. Because remember, Tech 2025 wasn't, uh, it, when I launched this, it was as, it was, it wasn't launched to be a startup in a, it's not like a million dollar or billion dollar. It was launched to 
to experiment, to, to experiment with what if, what if we talk to people and, and really brought them in on the process. So it was a, for me, it was an opportunity to understand how to listen to people, right? So having said that, I got to tell you, I kind of stumbled into having a team <laughs> because as we grew quickly, it came on. Having said that, though, I do look for very much for some things when I say yes to people and bring them on you know you, you want someone who's enthusiastic and who has their own ideas and who is very independent themselves in the sense that they know how to do things on their own and, and Rebecca what I loved about her because she ended up managing our events teams and she would come into the event and when people saw Rebecca they go okay everything's okay because she's got it going on and I would put her in the front while I'm in the back doing god knows what trying to come with stuff and that's important you know she I, I always stress to her, I, was, I would say to her and I would let her know how much I appreciated her, everything, her energy and everything, because, you know, we would debrief at the end of the night from events. And those events, when you're talking to ordinary people about emerging technologies, they don't understand yet. And you have them solve problems. And sometimes it got emotional. And sometimes, you know, everybody has their opinions and everything. She would tell me things from her perspective that gave me such valuable insight, things that I've missed because I'm on the mic, I'm talking to the speakers, I'm doing, and she knew what to look for. She knew what to look for when I didn't. So anyway, that, that's the first person. Amazing. Fantastic. And thank you for sharing that with us. And to have someone who was an early adopter of what you were doing, really, right, in innovation, she was there going, I get this, I want to jump on board with this, and then helped you to kind of bring everyone else along. Well, she's not just that she, she's not she, she's a she's she's also what did I say What's that expression for me I'm not I'm not just a client I'm a customer I forget that saying you know what the yeah. I forget the saying. I'm, an old, I'm an old head and gen, gen Xer um but it's basically she she as you say she drank the Kool-Aid right <laughs> so she got it she she was not someone who was very technically inclined she she was creative she's an artist and she loved the, the way that we talked about emerging technologies at these events for her, just in the two events that she attended, excited her. And it made her realize, I can understand. And not only can I understand this, but I'm seeing that other people can too. And for her, that was, it was, she was the man, she was the earliest manifestation of what I hoped Tech 2025 would be. And that's that people would come in and realize their greatness, their ability to get in there and understand this stuff. And that while it's scary from the outside in, if you allow yourself to take that step to just do something a little different or just go, go to an event about AI or whatever, you'll, you'll, you, can get, you can quickly realize your own um, gifts in another way. So anyway, she, she, and I'll tell you something about her too, because we used to, I would ask her at the end of the night, I would brief and, and whatever we were doing. And I would say, well, what did you see? What did you, and I would ask this of all of my staff, because I want to know, but particularly of her, we would walk, and this is back in the day before the pandemic, when you would walk together and talk in the street, you know, and, uh, and we would walk to the train station and then talk afterwards the day, the next day. And I would, I would ask her about the speakers and about the technologies and what she thought and what she was hearing. And it always enlightened me. And sometimes I, I realized I was wrong about things too. I was like, oh, wow, really? I did. And, and even one time she told me she was afraid of blockchain. She said, oh, I, I, there's something about the presentation that made me fear, fearful. 
And, and, and that's the type of stuff you want someone who can also be transparent in there. And that goes to, I think, emotion hearing. You want someone who's in touch and up with their, in, in their own emotions that they can um, be honest like that. Yeah. And, and expressive. So it, it, there's two parts. So I, I talk about emotioneering as kind of the, the fear triangle. It's the emotioneering triangle. Um, but then there's the modern mindset side of it that um, is really, I, I call it, be, like you said, it's, it's understanding your emotions, understanding the emotions of others, um, being able to express yourself and having the courage to do that. And being enabled to do it with or without technology. So the right. three, the three kind of pillars to that, you're, you're kind of saying it kind of Re- Rebecca came from. I, lo- I love that, that you're, that, that was, you know, it's reflective for you as well. And to have, be a leader that has that feedback too, and can take that on and kind of say, oh, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe the presentation that I put together or that as a team, we'd, we've kind of delivered all that speaker. Yeah, I didn't see it like that interesting so it, it, you you're learning and you're kind of curious in in the process too I love that I can just I can just imagine you I'm just imagining this scene in the middle of New York but you're you know there going oh really like you know um but look it's, it's you've painted an amazing picture of an amazing human you're building your team you didn't even know you were going to be building a team and and you have but as leaders we know that there's challenges along the way so you know, in your in your so many years of business and leadership, what has been the biggest team challenge that you have faced? I would say, you know, and that's a great question. And I think it's something that we should stay mindful of, you know, as we as we grow and move on in our careers. But my my biggest challenge was with my first startup, which was called Art of Talk TV. And it was I was bringing and this was back in like 2007 eight you know 2007 is when it launched and I I had a then I actually had a big team and I wouldn't say big but I had like a, quite a few people um it was under 10 but for me that was a lot you know and I had an office and I was you know we were doing the idea behind Auto talk tv was that we would um bring the world of talk shows online now back then of course YouTube was still new everything was new um but the reason I say that that was the hardest for me was because it was my first time putting together a team. Um, it was my first time launching a startup. I was not prepared for it. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm an introvert, right? In terms of by nature, I'm just naturally, uh, you know. Um, and the startup failed. And the hardest part of that, because the, the, they failed because the fun number, but the crash happened in 2008. And I got sucked into that vortex like everyone else. And it failed spectacularly, right? And the hardest part of that for me and the biggest lesson that I learned about myself and and running a business in my life is that you don't realize, sometimes you don't realize how much people mean to you until you let them down. And I let, I, when I failed at that startup, I, it, it crushed me. It crushed me in ways that I can't tell, even fully articulate. And I went into a depression and I it was just horrible. I didn't think, I didn't anticipate the, the intensity of pain and humiliation that I felt. But I also didn't anticipate what was at the core of that. The reason I felt that wasn't because uh, the business failed. I didn't make a million dollars, a billion dollars. I didn't, you know, I, I was hurting because I let people down. I let my staff down. And I felt like I, I sold them on the idea that we could be successful together 
and that I could help them through my vision of what I was seeing to realize, you know, so, uh, the next step of their career and development. I couldn't do it. And it, it crushed me. I felt like a failure. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that's, and that's, uh, to me, that's, that sounds like, you know, that total responsibility that is an entrepreneur and, yes. and, a, and a serious leader, you know, someone that is is very serious about leadership, that total responsibility that you take. And, and we can sit here and we can say, oh, but it was the crash. Oh, but it was, of course, those things were out of your control. But as a leader, you feel that. And and you are just, I can only imagine what it was like to go through that. But even just hiring your your first person and and, and you also talked about being an introvert, like how you express yourself, like you've still got it. It's the same heart. It's the same level of compassion, you know. I like that. It's true. It's true. You know, ultimately, putting together a team for any reason, any company, it's going to be different every time. Um, I've had a couple of different businesses, right? And each time I've put together a team, it's been different. It's been very different. I've learned something about myself. I've recognized uh, different weaknesses with different teams. I've been challenged in different ways. I've been pissed off in different ways, right? I mean, it's just, it's always different. And so you sort of accumulate these learning lessons about um, people, first of all, understanding who people are and how to deal with different personalities and, and help bring out the talent, the, the, the gifts inherent in people, the ones that they know they have and even the ones that they don't, right? And then also myself. Uh, and so, for example, this pandemic is a great example of that. I I, I look back at the the years that I, I, the early years of Tech 2025, I say the early years, so it's only been a few years. Um, but before the pandemic hit, you know, I, we, we were rocking and rolling, doing like three events per month. I was busy, plus with clients and all this stuff. So it, there was a lot of engagement in my teams, my event teams. I was, and now I look back at that after two years of working at home with my assistant, Bob. You know, this is this is my team. I'm just kidding. I have people who work for me. But you know, <laughs> she's been so alone at home. She started calling her plants names. <laughs> Bob says hello, right? But I'm just saying, this experience is changing how we think, and it should change how we think about putting together teams and what a team is. And so um, I'm still figuring that out, like everyone else, as we sort of juggle remote and going back into the real world. But anyone who tells you that they know how to put together a team perfectly for you, it's just, it's, it's kind of not true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the higher and the firing and the inspiring and all of that stuff and the jiggle of it all um, together. Yeah. And it, you can set out a plan. It's great to have a plan. But it, we know that we have to have B, C, D, and E, right? Always C if you can, if you can. Yeah, right. But because two years is a long time. And let me tell you something. I look back at photos of the events that we did because we always have photographers at our events and stuff. And I look back at those photos where I'm like, I mean, my team was kicked. But, you know, they were amazing. And I look back at, at, at the photos of us and all, we were always like, so many photos of us huddled and smiling and also and it's it just just the fact that we have not had that connection it seems like a foreign concept like a war and i find myself looking at these photos going wow we did that we did that so anyway <laughs> yeah I, yeah that's i love that it's a very interesting concept that you've brought up and i agree looking back at the way things were 
you know, two over two years ago versus the way things are now. It's uh, it, 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 it's, it is like looking at a photo album or looking through a, a snapshot in time. I hope that we very much get back to a world that is like that in, in not too far away. Coming on to, to my next topic, as you talked about it a little bit, is, is unlocking that potential and helping them understand things that maybe they don't even realize that they have, um, you know, that potential for. What do you love about it? What do I love about unlocking that potential? Oh, my God. It's like it's like finding buried treasure. And it, yeah, it is because it's well, a couple of things. Um, I think that we are in a society right now where uh, a lot of us want it a lot easier than we <laughs> like we, we think that especially this is the younger generations too they and I don't want to sound like an old crotchety woman I'm really not you know because they're talented Gen Z's every generation every you know you can't sort of I'm going to be very general here if you don't mind but um it takes time to learn to appreciate struggling and failing in order to find your true gifts and a real leader, one who embraces the creative process, or let me say just one who knows how to draw out and to help you know, employees sort of draw out the best in them, right? Um, they appreciate the creative process. They will worship the creative process, actually. They, they will double down on helping employees, technical, non-technical, I don't care who it is, every employee to tap into their creative process individually and as teams, yes? And that creative process entails understanding how to process failure. It, um, and it also entails you understanding how you process failure because we all do that differently, right? And how to become better at that, how to take those, those losses, take those L's, right? And and, and turn it into wins eventually down the road as you as you go on. Um, that's not easy to do, but it requires that leaders do the same, right? Mm -hmm. So you cannot, this is a walk. This is not something where you can preach and then say, don't do as I do, just do as I say. This is something where they've got to see it in you. Um, and so to that end, you know, with my teams, one of the things that I actually loved, I, I, I had to allow myself to be vulnerable. I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of an open book, right? And I, I allow my my struggles to sort of be very out there for, for my teams to see and to learn. And I and I and I, I demand honesty in, in, in our conversations. Like, what are you really thinking? Just say it. And then when they do, I'm like, oh wait, what? You know, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have to. And so here's what here's here's the benefit of that. You know, at our at, at our events, I had a lot of people who would come, a lot of people who would come up to me afterwards or during the, after the event or, you know, email me and say, I would love to work for you. I would love to work with you. How do I do this? How do you know? Do you need help? Do you just partially? Yes. They, they believed in the mission. Right. They experienced it. They know they want to do that. I think another part of that is that. I created, we, my team created a scenario, created an environment in those events that made it okay for people to screw up, to be wrong. When we do our think tanks and we have people huddle and come up, come up with ideas, I forced, I don't want to say forced, but we did. We made everyone in the groups that they were in push beyond their boundaries. Oh, you don't like public speaking? Get rid of mic. 
It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And people did it. And when they did it and realized, oh, I can, not only can I do this, but I'm damn good at it. You know, or, you know, that is a breakthrough in understanding your talents and your gifts that benefits everyone. And when you see that, it's like a, an explosion. It's an ex, it's literally an explosion that goes out and touches everyone. And it's profound, it's powerful, and it cannot be mismanaged and it cannot be bottled, right? So it's, it's I, I love that process. I just do. And I will tell you something, one last thing. I used to have people always coming up to me and saying, you know, Charlie, I don't, I don't get this at work. My boss, my, my, you know, supervisor, whatever, what it might be. They don't ask me questions like this. They don't ask me the questions that you're asking in these events of us, which are hard questions, right? They're not this. They don't a- a- appreciate my intellect, my thought process. So anyway, if you want to do that, if you really want to top tap into what employees have to offer and stop wasting, you know, valuable, profound talent, you've got to tap into how people think and allow them to express it, honestly. Mic drop. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely mic drop. My my next question was, what are you going to say to leaders out there, you know, that are struggling with that with their teams? And you pretty much said that and kind of said like, no, this is, this is how to do it. And it's true. A, a scenario came up this week, actually, where uh, some leaders that were running um, an event were believing that they were being open enough to receive the feedback, but uh, they were then annoyed when people started reaching out to them to give them the feedback. I'm like, what? No, no. <laughs> what you asked for, right? Yeah, yeah. But but also, you know, that, oh, but you can tell me anything. But actually, you people won't. You have, I love the way you were like, tell me, uh, whatever it is, just get it out. Like, let me process it. Like, wh- whatever way you got to say it. Because that's encouraging a, a safe and and kind of just open environment where like you said new innovation new things you can learn as a leader but but if you keep people at arm's length never never create that environment and then say but you could have given me feedback anytime no no we we couldn't yeah that's a brilliant point because I, I will tell you what I tell people, how I, listen, what that boils down to is a lack of awareness. You know, when you push back on people who are great, we all, we all get there where someone criticizes something that we did or offers us constructive criticisms and we don't like it and we bristle or we, we may even immediately shut them down. There's, we don't realize that we're doing that, mm-hmm. right? It's a lack of an awareness in the moment of who we are. Right. And what what is being asked of us in that moment? So because we lack that aware awareness, we fall short of what we can give and should be giving that moment. Right. And so then everybody walks away with not having gleaned from it what they can. I think one of the ways and this is just one. There's a couple of things that I would say that may help leaders with this. And, and it be, this, these are two very different ideas about how you can how, how you can get through this. It's a quite it's it's it, there is a lack of awareness there, right? About you know how you're responding in those moments. Um, if you ever want to increase or or, or improve your self awareness, your awareness of 
what you're feeling and do it. I, I would say, it sounds crazy, but meditate. I, I tell leaders, begin to meditate and understand and embrace sort of the moment for what it is instead of, you know, um, and, and learning how to understand your internal processes a, a, a lot more, just being quiet. Things. Now that sounds a little woo-woo, but it's true. You know, when you begin to understand how to be in the moment, you can pick up on that. And then what I would say is knowing that criticism is hard to receive and it's hard for everyone, some more than others. You know, I always preface my comments about, tell me, tell me what you think. Cause I know I can be stubborn. I know, Charles, listen, don't get twisted. You know, I'm an opinionated chick from Brooklyn. I can, I can dish it out. I can take it. But sometimes I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So knowing that I can be, I can be offended or, t- or be sensitive sometimes in hearing things. I will preface my call to honesty with a statement that's as simple as this. Look, I want you to tell me what you think and what you saw, honestly. Now, just be aware. I may not receive it well in the immediate. Okay. Yeah. I might not. And, and forgive me if I do that. I might push back you know, even harder than you might even expect. I know this about myself, please. But know this, I am taking it in. And when we part ways, I'm going to be processing this, okay? And so it may just be a process of needing time to think about what you said. But in the immediate, I might push back a little. So just, and that's part of my process. Um, bear with me. And that lets the other person, I got to tell you something, that works like a charm because it keeps me aware of what I might be doing in the coming moments because it'll be like oh oh, okay see charlie here you go right it it brings to mind my awareness of the moment then it also tells the other person look i i understand i can i might not like what you're going to say but bear with me and i'm asking the person ahead of time to forgive me for sort of you know just bear with me it's a process (laughs) and i'll give you i'll afford you that same courtesy you know when i give you feedback that you may not like and i see that you're not taking it well i'll know to go okay let me just let's just let her or him go through does that make sense am i absolutely like what a gold mining piece of advice and guidance for people I I think that might actually be the best piece of advice that I have received in 2022 so far like that was amazing (laughs) (laughs) she's she's she'll be back on the show guys no it's um it's amazing just absolutely um brilliant uh thank you so much for sharing that and the meditation side we could go on about that it's not woo woo The, the most successful people in the world do it because it helps it helps with consciousness it helps with that finding answers breathing we, if you just breathe when someone is get when you're experiencing something negative or stressful, which is what you know when you receive negative criticism, you don't know how to take it. That's what we do. We we start and we don't realize this. Our breath starts to sort of, you know, not hyperventilate, but we our breath changes and it causes us to be more tense. And when it's and let's, listen, meditation changes that. Take breathing exercises when you feel like you're you feel that your tension coming. <sighs> Okay. Take a couple of breaths before you respond. Let's do it, Let's do it now. Audience, just breathe. And out. 
And I will come on to my next question with ease and poise. And I will say, Charlie, what is the culture? If you could describe it in a couple of words, what is the culture at Tech 2025? Oh, my God. <laughs> so everything you just, everything we just said is better than. <laughs> okay. Find the answers within. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'll tell you right now. So that's a great question, actually. And I, I love this. I think this is something that we should always be asking ourselves because culture has a funny way of changing on you without you realizing it. If, again, you don't become or stay mindful of what's happening. You can wake up one morning, it's like being in a marriage and realize what, what is this? Who is this person, right? Like what's going on here? Um, so, so let's start with this, okay? Because I believe that when you want to ask yourself what the culture of a company is, um, I believe you, you should start first and foremost by looking at the top of the, the you know, the leadership. Who's leading it? It's, that's gonna tell you a lot, Our case in point. Microsoft, Satya Nadella, mm? um, uh, Tesla, Elon Musk, all right? That gives you, now these are cultish personalities, so we understand sort of who I, but that tells you just by sort of, you know what kind of cultures they would probably be, right? So having said that, <laughs> looking at myself, let's look at what Charlie is. I've got Bob as a plant, right? So, <laughs> so I... And I laugh a lot. I like to laugh. It's helped me through some of the most difficult times in my life. I, I, I facilitate laughter with my team. I tell them we're doing serious business. That doesn't mean you need to take it serious every step of the way. Um, you know, laughter is contagious. I laugh with our, our members all the time. People know that about me, right? Um, so that's important. Yes, experiencing the joy in the in the the ridiculousness of the moment, right? So that's one thing. I, I try not to take everything too seriously. Um, uh, the other thing is uh, I, I, we have, I think, anyway, a, a spirit of, of sort of a culture of creativity. I don't, I cannot, you know, I, I've worked in entertainment for years and TV and film and, um, and uh, you know, I'm sort of, I am technical and I'm creative. I know that sounds, everybody says that, but you know, I'm a, a dancer and this and that. So I really believe 100% and constantly um, making sacrifices to the gods of creativity. Okay. <laughs> well, um, yes. And now make a sacrifice. We've done the breathing guys, make a sacrifice to the gods of creativity. Right. But, but, but that just means a lot <laughs> to express women what they are and being open Absolutely. to the idea that that changes, right? Mm -hmm. You have to allow that to change. And so, and I'll give you an example. You know, like I said, today is Friday. I wore my Friday graphic t-shirts, you know, Star Wars, Princess Leia. This is my thing. So we do, I, I think, keeping it fun as well. But also, I think the culture um, at Tech 2025 is um, innovative. We, we are staunchly about innovating um, and using our perceived weaknesses as a catalyst for pushing beyond, right? And so everything that we do here, everything that I've done has been about where are we? What are our weaknesses? What are our strengths? But let's look at our weaknesses and use that to like, like what do we need to do? And rather than just meet our goals, 
I, you know, and I do this with clients and we got to go beyond the goals. We've got to go to the horizon. So I called it. So let's just say it's a horizon culture. I'd like to, you know, which is I'm a futurist. Right. So I, I want to go towards the horizon. If this is where we should be and this is our goal right now, you know, mm-mm, what's beyond that? Let's push. I do push people a little. Sorry. That's good. That's good. Me too. A big, a big fat aspirational goal. I'm like, well, if I just aim for the stars, I'll hit the moon by mistake. Like I'm not afraid to, to miss them like massively. So, you know, the culture of innovation and that, and to, to understand that and have that ability to fail it. That's a brilliant thing. And I'm also starting to understand why people want to work for you so much and listening to you. And they're like, Charlie, Charlie, how do I get involved? Um, that's brilliant. And, and also um, just to throw it out, there to to add a little bit more knowledge to the the conversation nasa did a study and they found that we are 96 percent less creative as adults than we were as children well innovation i know it's ridiculous but it's because of those things we learn and those experiences that we go oh no i i can't do that that's silly oh oh, no 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 i can't call my plant bob like why (laughs) (laughs) what will they think Exactly. Exactly. And let me tell you something. One of the first things that people, when when we, I I am mindful of people's, of the sort of the weight that people carry around on a daily basis, right? From work, school, the media, all these ideas that get put into our heads that we buy into, right? Um, And at our events for years, okay, literally at every event, I say, and I kid you not, anyone can tell you this. I say a couple of things. These are the things that I tell people. That audience that I know is coming to me at the end of a long day, right? They're tired, but they're coming to hear what we have to say and to learn something. I say to them, uh, no matter who you are or where you're coming from or where you've been or where you're going, yes, uh, you are, are able and capable of doing far more, whatever it is you want to do than what you've been told you can do. Yes, that's number one. And that's the most important thing. You, you're capable of doing more than what you're, you've been told you can do, right? And then the other thing is uh, leave it at the door, okay? Leave it at the door. Now that you're in here, you know, we're all equal, right? Right now, we're all equal. Everybody gets a shot at saving the world, at figuring out AI, at da 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 whatever it is, right? And you want to know something that's really profound. In our think tanks, you know, because we, we sort of sometimes will make it a little competitive, you know, you have to, you know these, this group, all the groups compete and it's, it depends. But what I found is that in these groups where you have, and I'll give you an example, the very first event that we did uh, we had this, I'll never forget these two guys came in, you know, they were like the young hoodie tech guys, you know, 20 something, you know, uh, developers of chatbots. They work with big agencies, had their startup, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they, they, they came, they enjoyed the event, emailed me two weeks later. And they said, Charlie, can't thank you enough for that event. It was, here's what, here's what happened. In their group, there was an 80 year old man. <laughs> Let's call him John. And the, the, the project that we gave them was, you know, you go create a Valentine's Day chatbot and, and the conversational flow for that chatbot, right? And I know you've never heard of what that is, but you'll figure it out, okay? <laughs> and they told me that. That's how I always t- talk to people in these events. That's whatever, you'll figure it out, right? Okay. <laughs> um, so they told me that they had a conversation. They started talking. This guy, this elderly man was in their group 
and he began to talk to them. And they had these conversations with, they said, Charlie, we learned that we were building our conversational flows for our products, but for the products for these agencies and brands far too narrowly that we were excluding people like him. And we went back and redid some of our work on the basis of that, right? So, so that's the moment, those are the moments that you want where you have different types of people coming together and saying, I do this, what do you do, what do you do? And then realizing that, whoa, I have more to give than what I thought. Um, but that's not me telling them that, that's them realizing it together. So that's kind of, did that answer? Well, I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, helping them plant seeds. Like I, I, I love that, and it's yeah, it's 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 brilliant to, to be able to share that and that fulfillment that you get from it is why you want to share that message because it's so important that that we do that. So coming back into the tech because we've gone tech people, we're back to the tech. We're jumping back in. Uh, what is what is something that or, or, you know, yeah, what is something that has kind of am- amazed you in the last couple of years that has come out from a, an AI or a tech perspective that has emerged that you thought, wow, that's pretty cool? You mean product or tech? Tech? tech Anything. Hey, it's yours. Your, oh. It's yours, yours. Oh, OK. Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you right now, CRISPR amazed me. <laughs> um, the potential. I, I think we are not even having the conversations we need to have about the potential for CRISPR to change us physically, emotionally, even spiritually. I, I'm going to put that out there. So that's the, uh, that's the, that's the main one. AI machine learning. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not saying that's flippity. Actually, I am, but I, I don't mean it's flippity. I'm, I'm saying um, that probably is the, the runner up because it's so pervasive. It is already everywhere. And it's fascinating to me that literally AI is, is, is everywhere. And we still don't fully even understand <laughs> what, and, and what's coming. You know, like we think we do. We kind of have predictions, produ- you know, projections, forecasts, but we have really no idea. And because of the pandemic, we are doubling down on pushing it out and getting it into these products and automating everything. And this, and so it's, it's pretty profound. It's very fascinating. I think not just the implementations and the rollout of, of AI, you know, products or machine learning products, but the fact that we're doing it at such a pace and a speed that we can't possibly at this point fully understand what the repercussions are going to be in the next 10 years um, in time, I think, to even stop what that is. Now, I'm not trying to throw in the towel. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, I think we should, but yeah, um, that's, you know, I don't know if those are great answers, but I think for me, it's definitely CRISPR. Um, I'm more, believe it or not, and, and and I know people, someone emailed me the other day and says, oh God, I know you're all over this metaverse thing. Metaverse. Well, let me just say that about the immersive technologies, which is another thing, that's a whole nother thing. That's also, it's not just the metaverse. It's been, it's the immersive technology, technologies family all together, because that will get us to obviously question the nature of reality, right? What's real and what's not. We're already doing that. Um, I don't know if we are fully ready for it, but it's here. <laughs> it's here. 
So yeah, that's it. Those are three things I think. Ooh, yeah, just that. <laughs> just that, guys. Just you know, just sip your tea or coffee. Yeah, yeah, Have yeah, a listen to. Definitely the, are we ready? Biotech stuff is like neuro neurotechnologies. Oh my god, that that's something that we're leaning into at Tech One Twenty Five. By the way, while everybody's sort of over here in the metaverse space, you know, I think it's very very important that yes, ordinary everyday people understand. Um, you know, the, the neurotech that's coming. Um, what is it about the brain <laughs> that we need to understand before we begin rolling out, you know, Neuralink and, and all of these other products that are coming? It's really, it's it's fascinating times, mm. you know. So get your crystal ball out, Charlie. If you could have a crystal ball for the next five years or so, what, what could you predict is coming potentially? Oh, well, I don't know if it's even a prediction, right? Because we already know, we already know that, you know, um, I think we'll have figured out a lot of the problems with the gene editing within the next three years, you know, because CRISPR is amazing, but it's very imperfect. It's not precise enough. Um, We're already seeing solutions along those lines. And what I will say is that um, there are a couple of companies that are, are, are progressively sort of trying to figure out how to get the precision out of CRISPR that we need. Um, I think once that nut is cracked, game over. Game over and game on. That's the, to me, the once we can do that, um, I think that's when we go into a whole completely different direction with regards to how we think about illness, how we you know, um, how we have babies, how we do. I think that's the, the ultimate key to unlock a lot of our bio uh, issues, our bio uh, healthcare, obviously the healthcare industry. I think if you want to look at anything regarding that sort of the, the really innovative, absolutely mind blowing stuff that's coming, look at the look at the health tech, biotech healthcare space. Um, and those, by the way, are the spaces that are actually pushing the, the boundaries of the immersive technologies because doctors today and nurses and everything, they're being trained in VR and, and they're they're using simulation technologies, which we haven't talked about. That's also something that I really, I love, you know, any kind of simulation technologies. I mean, they're, they're literally entire cities are being simulated right now, right? Thanks, NVIDIA, being simulated uh, so that we can understand how to build new systems that are more accurate, more equitable or whatever. So simulation technologies are great, but healthcare is what's pushing <laughs> boundaries of, of, of a lot of that, right? So anyway. Wow, my brain. I'm simulation, like I'm literally going back to Sim City in my brain, <laughs> like the game. I'm like, oh my gosh, like someone can put me in there. Um <laughs> by the way, back in the day, my friend uh, Justine was so into Sim City. I wasn't. I was like, whatever, right? <laughs> I was like, no, but we need to be, we need to live real life now. Um, yeah, but like, there's, it's, it's interesting you talking about that because um, I was watching. Uh, there's like a, a Shark Tank or a Dragon's Den in the UK, and um, there was recently a proposition, and the, the the guy was there looking for investment for some from for some tech um, for for robots as he as he had at the time, and um, but he was talking about how they would be in healthcare and how they would be looking after the elderly. And, you know, Stephen Bartlett, I'm sure you know who Stephen Stephen Bartlett is, was there going, what? So hang on a minute. He was like, you want to create robots that are going to basically give my dad tablets, like 
because no one else would be there. But it's a reality of the fact that we're having less. People think that the population is growing and growing and growing. But if you read Factfulness by Hans Roslin and you look, it's not like a study came out today that women in the UK um, are not actually having children till over 30. You saw it? Yes, yes. I heard about it on the news. And also, by the way, I think we crossed the milestone globally where for the first time ever, I think most of the global population is over the age of what what is it? 50, I, I forget this. I don't want to be wrong. You know what? I'll send you the link. But we, you, you know, I, I know we worship the young. Yes. because It's like, oh, the young is, is the future. But um you know, not not really. Yeah, no, 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 not really. The, the not it's really. it's the it's the non-human is the future. No, let's not scare yeah, anyone with it. Um, oh god! Look at the baby boomers too. Not only are we, you know, but we're living longer a lot longer and then that's another thing too life extension in the next 15 years um you know we can expect that your children if you have a kid today that kid is going to live to be 100 that's what we're projecting based on the technologies and everything right so in the next 15 years we're going to be looking at a generation that's when so not only are we not having kids but we're living longer and you know these are real issues and I don't have a problem with that the whole robot thing I don't know what's the what's the no no I think it was just um it was an interesting observation that I think just as a as a caring empathetic human being like I care that they're going to be able to have the best care and um you know but but I think that also I think maybe what's happened in the last couple of years that care homes were shut down people weren't able to see that connection thing is a really big boundary for people now where they're like, what do you mean? Like we can't, we want to be with people though. So yeah, it's, but at the same time, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a problem that has to be solved. So, you know, what are we going to do? So watch this space. Interesting. And thank you for the predictions in the crystal ball. So last couple of questions. So magic wand, what would you change in the tech world? Oh, oh, okay. Well, this is easy. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Now, I can narrow that down for you, but honestly, if someone was standing in front of me right now and said, Charlie, what would you do? Because I believe in gambling big sometimes, right? I, I, I think if you're going to ask me what what, what would you, what can I, if you could change anything, I would say change everything. Just throw it all up in the air. <laughs> it because i mean right like what what area in tech doesn't need to be changed or couldn't stand to be improved everything we're pretty much in the fact that we're desperately trying to figure out how not to kill ourselves with these technologies that right there should tell you that we should yeah change everything um but if i but if you make me narrow down something oh no i absolutely love you don't even have to narrow down i absolutely love that answer equivalent to blow, blow it all up. You see, I'm a little bit of an anarchist in a way. Um, and I was raised watching a lot of uh, apocalyptic films. So I love horror movies and apocalyptic movies. That's what I watched as a little kid, as seven years old. And yeah, that says a lot too, uh, if you know me. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for the idea of get rid of it all or shake it all up or whatever, which is what nature does naturally, by the way, right? And then let's see where the, where, where the pieces fall and how they come back together again, right? So uh, the, the idea though behind that is that no matter what happens, uh, the outcome of that, if you changed everything in tech, let's do that for a second and just imagine everything about the tech industry and, and what we do being changed. It's a fascinating sort of idea of, well, 
what would it be then? Would it be more dangerous? Would, would, you know, I mean, and so why not? Why not? I know. And we can explore that at your dinner party that you're going to be having with three guests dead or alive that you would invite. Who would you pick? So I, so this question, can I tell you? I, all right. I, I always hate this question. And I'll tell you why. Not that I hate it, but it's always a challenge to me because I'm like a dinner party. Okay. Uh, who would I? I always struggle to come up with people, but it has to do with my personality and that, believe it or not, I'm not. Uh, I Okay. Um, if I had to pick three people, I would say uh, I'm going to say one of them, I guess, let's say Andrea Tarkovsky. He's literally one of my favorite film filmmakers, Russian filmmaker. Uh, he died in the 80s. Um, he's brilliant, thought very different, differently about exploring time in his films. And so I think anyone that uh, sort of forces us to think differently about time and, and the creative expression of that, I think. It's, so he's very fascinating. And I think he was he, he died very young because of cancer. So I would say he's one, maybe. I don't know. And then another, um, dead or alive? Yeah. I would be honest, to be honest with you, I would pick the most destructive leader in the world, the, the, the world leader that caused the most destruction and pain to society, to, to, to population. Now, I'm not going to say who or what that is. I'm just going to say who I would choose the most, the one who's caused the most pain and destruction in the world in their lifetime. And I would want them to sit at the table and I would want to have a conversation with them. Yes. Um, there's so many of them, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, whichever one, whichever one answered the invite. Why did you do this? Like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, the curiosity of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the other, the last person, um, the, the last person, uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is terrible, right? Uh, hold on, hold on. My grandmother. <laughs> Why not? Amazing. And I was thinking that when you were saying it's a hard choice, sometimes like it's okay to, to, to pick our family members. It doesn't have to be all the glitz and the, you know, it's the people that mean a lot to us too, isn't and it? Let me tell you something. She was a woman who loved people the exact, I don't want to say opposite of me, but she's very outgoing, very extrovert. She loved having a lot of people around. If she sat at a table with the person who caused the most destruction to humanity and with Alex, Alexander, um, Andrea Tarkovsky, that would be quite a discussion because she knew how to <laughs> she knew how to get into people and get out of them, you know. So yeah, that would be that be it. She would pray for everyone though. That's it. Amazing. <laughs> the futurist would go back in history and uh, and and disrupt the past uh, to to reset the future. Um, I, lo I love that, Charlie. It's been amazing to interview you. Um, before we leave you go, please, you know, feel free. Tell us what's going on with you. How maybe people can support your cause or what you're doing, and how they can reach out as well. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I love your questions and it's so much fun. Uh, so uh, two things. Number one, we we obviously help clients. So if you're a company that is in need of sort of understanding how to um, help your your 
entire workforce to understand how to think about and embrace the future, the technological future. That means upskilling. That means understanding what's coming. That means helping your employees to become futurists in their own way, to, to think about the future as they build these products. Uh, yeah, reach out to us. If you're an individual who's just kind of like, hey, this is cool. I want to learn more. I, I too would like to be, you know, sort of more future forward and planning the next several years out. Um, definitely reach out to us too. My email is charlie at tech2025. You can... Uh, Follow me on Twitter at, at It's Complicated. It is complicated. Um, and uh, follow me on LinkedIn. And uh, actually, the website is tech2025.com. So all that information is there, too. We have podcasts. We have email list. Uh, we have some a lot of events coming up. So reach out to us. Yes to the events. Whoop, whoop. Um, and, and, and what was that? Sorry, Charlie. And workshops, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I will put all of the links in the show notes. Uh, Charlie Oliver, it has been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. Um, thank you ever so much. Thank you so much. And what's that, Bob? Bob says thank you too. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Cheers, Bob. <laughs> Ciao for now. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Emotioneering Podcast with me melissa curran today it's been great remember to subscribe to facebook linkedin youtube or all three you can also come to the website modernmindgroup.com where you can subscribe there stay in contact and let us know what you really think give us the feedback this is going to get better by knowing what you think uh, has this given you food for thought has it helped you change something what has it inspired let us know because that's why we're doing it it's all about the people, people, people. <laughs> Have a great day and ciao for now.